Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to Bulls on Tap. I am your dude, Buzz, and I'm joined by my dude, Goose, a.k.a. Bulls Scripted. And man, we're just back because we want to talk Bulls basketball. It's draft month, baby. It's draft month. So we have a lot of shit to talk about. We did a great episode last week. Well, that was last Friday, I think, where we talked about uh, you know different prospects we're looking at, you know things to look for if the Bulls trade up, if the Bulls trade down. So we're just going to kind of build on that, take some questions that we got from listeners, and go from there. But before we do, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Bulls on Tap at ONTAP Sportsnet. Follow my dude Goose at Bull Scripted and me at Buzz on Tap. And anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. So be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Woo, it's a mouthful every time. Can't wait to add more ad reads to that. Goose, we're back with another episode, man. It felt good to get back on the mic last week, and it feels good to get back on the mic in a in a week span here. Like I, like I was telling the listeners on the last episode, it's going to ramp up in draft month. I mean, we are just a few short weeks away to seeing what the Chicago Bulls are going to do. And there's more rumors that came out this week, which is cool too, about the Celtics possibly trying to trade up, the Bulls probably trying to trade down, the Bulls maybe trading up. I know that we talked about a little bit of them trading up in the last episode, but I don't know, man. So there's a lot of cool shit going on. And you also launched a YouTube show, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which is badass. I got bored. I ain't got shit to do. Uh, My liver doesn't like the idea of, having a whiskey and recording a video every night, but we're working our way through those early stages of alcoholism to uh, sacrifice the liver um, to live for the fans. So I'm going to support that prospect. <laughs> coming out in the next few days, probably two or three tomorrow. I'm going to bust my ass tonight. Got my whiteboard in, so there's a little bit better of a visual background going on here. You, know, you might not be able to see it, but... I have the shittiest version of Bulls on Tap written on the board behind me currently. I don't know if we'll share that. But, um, yeah, no, I'm excited. Getting back on the mic with you makes it feel real again. We have Woj talking about the NBA PA moving towards the December 22nd start date. LeBron James is not going to win this battle. Uh, The rest of the NBA salary matters more than whether or not LeBron's going to cherry pick a little extra in the first 10 games of the NBA season. Yeah, I was very, very happy to see that today. Um, And I actually listened, I was listening to 670 The Score on the way in to work this morning, and they had David Haw and Moley talking about, you know, the season starting at December 22nd. And it's very exciting. Um, You know, it's very exciting for a couple reasons. Uh, An old team like the Lakers doesn't get a lot of rest. And I know, yes, I'm a LeBron hater. Fucking sue me. I still love basketball. I still know basketball, even though I will not acknowledge LeBron as a GOAT. So chill out. But it's nice to see that. But more importantly, the Bulls have not played since March, dude. So well, no, that's, that's the bigger issue for the rest of the NBA teams is you have four teams that played into early October and are still going to get 72 days worth of rest with a shortened mini camp and a shortened preseason. And all that fun stuff. And I get it. Yeah. If you're LeBron James, that sucks. You're 35-plus years old. You want that three months that you had before the bubble for you and Anthony Davis to get healthy and get right to go win a championship. And then you want another three to four months off to focus on the next season. And I would bet my money, at least on this topic, that if you offered LeBron a shortened regular offseason every year with three months off before the playoffs – he would take it every single fucking time. Oh, 100%. So, so for him to be the biggest person pushing back on this, which isn't official, but given his cherry-picking comments that he decided to put out yesterday and the, uh, the general consensus, because there's eight teams that haven't played since March. They're going on a year. That might be classified as tougher to do than coming back on short notice. So... I'm glad the NBA decided to side with the players in general and not just the select few stars that are a little worried about maybe cherry-picking and sitting a few extra minutes to begin the season. Yeah, it's huge, and it, it needed to be done. It really did. Like the, They need to get on the court as quickly as possible, and if December 22nd is the target, gate, target date, we get christmas basketball and that is like in my family man like well i mean you know my family it's very small it's just me and the old man but i have forced it upon jamie's family as well 
that we are to watch. If, if, if basketball's on, my ass is planted. I'm not getting in the car. I'm not going to somebody else's house. I'm watching NBA basketball because that's what Christmas is about. That sounds horrible. <laughs> You're fucking lucky, man. I, I got to sit at the Christmas table at my lady's family's house with 50 of her family members with my phone down in my lap. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Quick question, quick question. If you and if, if you and your lady, right, <laughs> if you told if the Bulls are playing on Christmas, all right, and, and we're winning, we're kicking some ass, and you're, I'm like, yo, yo, Goose, I got tickets, man. Like, let's let's go do this. And you're like, ah, I gotta go to this game. How would she react to that? Um, I don't know. There might be <laughs> no sex for like a month, at least. Jamie, I, mean, I don't always, know. Jamie always told Jamie me there's no me way no... you're going to a Bulls game on Christmas Day, and I was just like, oh yeah. I, I tell you something, if they are good, and I have the like, if I can make I it happen, it. I'm doing. And I guess, I, I guess the thing that would benefit me here is the NBA usually has Christmas Eve off. At this point in my life, I really don't go to my mom's side of the family. I don't have my grandma, my grandpa, or my dad on my dad's side of the family, so that's it's kind of secondary. I really only have to look out for her family. So if it was Christmas Day, I would just be like, we're going to go see your family Christmas Eve. Buzz has season tickets. We have, you know, a spot at the game on Christmas Day. Jamie's going to murder him, so I'm going to pull up to his house with the car door open. <laughs> He's going to jump in on the run, and we're going to fly to the UC, and we're going to have a great time. And we'll deal with the, the dumb ball in our inner circle as that out. You know, plays out. I think that would be totally worth it. I mean, at least we go. You know, at least we go down. And my last night on Earth, we were together watching a Bulls game and taking that in for sure. Because she would totally fucking kill me. Peeking peeking in the office door right now. She must have heard my voice carrying through the walls. (laughs) Don't, 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 don't. I don't want her to get mad at you. This is just all hypothetical right now. My Bulls on tap. She's hating on the Bulls on tap. She's she's hating on, on my writing because it's because it's off centered and it doesn't it doesn't get here do a show do a show do a show go we'll talk later <laughs> your Christmas Day suggestions already get me in trouble that's hilarious that's absolutely fucking hilarious <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to get the perfect snapshots for our. To post on fucking Twitter right now. Uh, wait, I need to get I need to get you with your drink on it before we get into this episode. People are probably listening to this like, what the fuck is going on? Move over to your yeah. There you go. Perfect. The moment of silence, but we got it. We got it. But all right, let's get into this episode. So you put it down, uh, down a couple talking points in the text message um, that we had going on <clears throat> the last couple days, and that is. Carmelo's reported falling stock. So I want to get your thoughts on that really quick. Cause are you still interested in kind of revisiting that? Like maybe bringing him on in some capacity. And do you think he'd be interested if that were to happen? Carmelo or Lamelo? Oh, were you talking Carmelo? Because I read a car. Uh, what did I say? You just said Carmelo. I, I meant, wow. Lamello. Okay. So the moon mans are getting to me. I meant Lamelo. I'm sorry. Lamello. Yes, the draft prospect who has a falling stock. Um, I don't know how valid those reports are. I think there I might. I think it's be... smokescreen, bro. I mean, if you're the Chicago Bulls and you covet Lamelo Ball, you're looking for a playmaker. That is one of the few things that has leaked out, and whether that's just speculation or not, we covered in the last podcast. But if you're looking for the elite playmaker in this draft, it's LaMelo Ball. And if you coveted him at four, with the radio silence that we've had, and now these rumors come out, if you're Mark Eversley or Arturis sitting in your war room, you're just giggling. You're going, everybody's worried about this kid's character. They're worried about his work ethic. They're worried about his shot, his free throw percentage, which is a problem you can attribute to a lot of the top prospects in this draft. But if they covet LaMelo right now, Mark and Arturis are just giggling it up in the war room because the Hornets reportedly have a deep desire to get Wiseman, and they might have to trade up to one to get him, and 
you have all this going on all while the only prospect in my mind that is lesser than Anthony Edwards in the mellow ball is falling to fourth. He's falling in your lap. Whether he's who you want or he's who the Knicks covet enough to trade way more than he's worth to move up four spots, this is your dream scenario as the Chicago Bulls. Why do you think he's falling in the draft stock? I'm reading some like interviews that he's having and some footage that he's sending to teams. I mean, are, I hate to steal this from Fred, but are we really judging a kid off of empty, empty gym, you know, footage shots of him? I don't, I don't understand why he's falling. Because I went back, Goose, and I watched a lot of film, and I know you're. And, and please, everybody, I, I know I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but Goose is doing. Uh, player breakdowns in his YouTube videos. So please check that out. Uh, but I, I went back and I watched a lot of, a lot of film, dude. Like I like Killian Hayes. I told you that in the last, vi- in, the, in the last video, last podcast, I, he's not a playmaker like LaMelo is. I, th- I still think LaMelo is a better playmaker and I stand by that. And with the bigs that we have, I think LaMelo is a better player to help not only the offense run better, but help get more, of the potential that we have seen in a Lowry market, a potential that we have seen in a Wendell Carter Jr. I think he helps those bigs. And I, that's where I'm at because I am looking right now at NBA draft net, uh, NBA draft.net. And they have at four LaMelo ball to the Chicago bulls. Well, and if you go and you watch, like I'm sure you probably have at this point, the video breakdowns that Mike Schmitz, who works for ESPN, used to run the biggest draft site before they got absorbed by ESPN because they were that great at their content. If you watch the video breakdowns with every prospect in this draft, I do think a lot of teams have concerns in how LaMelo explains what he sees. It's it's almost all reactionary. It's all instinctual, and he... Maybe it's just the bashfulness. Maybe he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. Maybe he's scared to say the wrong thing because all the pressure and the scrutiny that has been on him since he's been in Ball in the Family. This kid has been under a microscope on a video camera since Lonzo became popular. So when you watch his video breakdown with Mike Schmitz and Mike's giving him a great compliment and saying, hey, how did you make this double move and know that he was going to be there and the defender was going to be here? Melo doesn't have the greatest breakdown of it. It's where you see somebody like LeBron James at the end of the game can tell you, um, hey, so-and-so does this 99% of the time, but when they go to the left side, they only score 10% of the time. So when he goes that way, I don't care if he goes over there. That's what I'm going to let him do. As where at this point for a teenager in LaMelo, it's still just all instinctual. He doesn't know why he sees it before he sees it. He just feels it. And that's the only way he can break it down at this point. So for a lot of teams, that's scary. When the speed gets ramped up in the NBA, when the physicality, the intensity, and you're playing with equal players, they're worried that that instinctual, natural feel might fall backwards. And if that falls backwards with where his shot is currently – and his defensive effort is currently, you you can make the argument that he could fall out of the top five. But in this draft, I, I know. And I'm going to let you touch on that before I expand more because I've been rambling a little bit there. No, you're not rambling at all. When, you, when you're throwing out fucking legitimate points, it's not rambling. It's, it, it, when, it's just when you're kind of – what you're doing right now is you're kind of seeing like the, the other points of, the, of maybe the experts that are saying in, that he, he's going to fall out of the top five. It's just – and I'm not saying that I have any more insight or knowledge than these experts do, but I'll tell you what, I have as much film as they do right now with this whole COVID thing. And I have as much, not input as that, I'm not going to put myself on a level like that, but I, I think I have a pretty good opinion. And I, if this kid falls out of the top five, I, dude, he, drugs have to be involved. There's no fucking way. He's got to be a head case somewhere, like you brought up with Ball and the family. Something's got to be fucking going on there. Something like we know his dad's a psychopath, but we pretty much saw Lonzo do whatever the fuck he wanted with Lavar. He, I mean, left. You know, he left Big Baller Brand. He got out of that shit. He's doing his thing. (laughs) He didn't really leave Big Baller Brand. That just kind of exploded because 
the guy they entrusted with all of it was robbing them blind. Okay, um, okay, noted, noted. <laughs> but, but, you know, at the same time, man, I just, if if the dad is the biggest hurdle, I don't give a fuck. Dude, I, I don't care. In the interview that is under some scrutiny by LaMelo, it wasn't even like a team interview, like a personal, the... Chicago Bulls are calling to talk to LaMelo Ball personally. Yeah. and He's set aside this call somewhere in his workout schedule for the day to prioritize it. It's more like uh, he had media availability to the teams within the region of where he could get drafted, and you're getting the reports from Casey Johnson and those like-minded broadcasters in other areas with top picks saying LaMelo Ball answered the phone call in the middle of a workout and was pretty much just brushing us off like we weren't nothing, and there's this demeanor and kind of, you know, it's there's questions there. The bravado is there. But when you see his dad, the point you talked on, the video came out with LaVar the other day saying he wants LaMelo in New York with Tom Thibodeau, who's an established coach, or in Detroit with Casey, who got fired after being the coach of the year. So those are the two destinations that LeVar wants his son to go to. And, so, and, how, and how, how different, Goose, are those two destinations? I mean, one's big market who always sucks. Just want to throw that out there. Want to throw that out there real quick in New York. And then Detroit, which is just like the – I piss on Detroit. Okay? I, I hate Detroit because I, I, I'm a Bulls fan. But in the last three years. I just I I'll, t- I'll tell you what I mean I I'm sorry I had to throw my little digs in on those on those cities real quick not like the Bulls have been better recently but um I'm shocked to hear him wa- wanting him under Tom Thibodeau and I know a lot of players okay love Tibbs like joking Noah still speaks his truth about Tibbs he still loves Tibbs Derek Rose still loves Tibbs I get it I understand it but New York has been a proven losing team dude me and you are in our later twenties. They're not great. They've never been great. Okay, like in, in my lifetime. I mean, they got to a finals, what, back in, what was it, 90-something, 95, 94? When MJ retired? Yeah, yeah when MJ yeah, retired. I, so, I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, whatever on that. And then Detroit, you know, yeah, the Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton era, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, Tayshawn Prince, awesome, good shit. But no, nothing over there is very exciting. I think that if the chance was to happen, with him coming to Chicago, I think there's an established young group of talent there, and um, again, he can't he can't control the draft. But well, do you think he? I want to basically with this whole rambling. Now I am rambling. What this whole section is getting at, what I'm trying to talk about is, do you think he's trying to fuck his draft stock up? Yes, I, I think that's the obvious play here. Oh, okay, I think, yeah. I think if Lamelo is blatantly tanking. His interview calls with teams, they're one-on-one calls, not the media call that I have personally read feedback about on, but the personal calls that teams in the top four, because the report that came out was he was speaking with one, two, three, and four. He hadn't spoken to the Knicks. He hadn't spoken to Detroit. These weren't teams that have even reached out to him because he doesn't plan to fall out of the top five. Um, and he's probably conducting these interviews with the top four teams to see where their feel is with him, because then from there he will explore these conversations with the other teams in the top ten that have the draft stock to trade up and get him uh, while adding an additional asset. So to this point, the characters' concerns, they almost baffle me. Because you're talking about a kid that has a greater following on social media on every platform than the majority of the NBA already. You're talking about a kid who has already dealt with money. He bought the fucking Australian basketball team that he played for last year. He owns them. Like, he runs the team now. How many players can you say have been under the microscope since 12, 13 years old, 14, 15 their whole basketball career has been unfolded on film, and they haven't folded. I'm not worried about this kid cracking under pressure. I think he's going to rise to the pressure. 
I think his upper tier that's carried him everywhere that he's gone around the world. He doesn't care at times because he doesn't have to. And if you want to criticize him for being selfish at the end of blowout games after joining the worst team in Australia before he got there, not because he got there, before he got there, they were the worst Australian basketball team. If he decided to be selfish at the end of those games, it was because he's one of the few players there that has something greater that he's trying to showcase. So I get the character concerns and I get the risks. But if you're talking about Mellow Ball falling outside of the top five, I would hope that our new brain trust is at least smart enough that if LaMelo Ball is at the fourth pick, you draft him. Whether you keep him or you continue to shop him to the six, to seven, to eight, to nine, you leverage that pick. And you, you take that pick in confidence knowing he is the highest potential prospect available. That if you get stuck with him and you don't get offered something that tickles your fancy to move back, great. I got the best prospect available at number four, and I'm going to stay confident here and see what he turns into because we don't have a top 20 player. That's it. Was a really good point that you brought up with uh, you know him not cracking under pressure and him being maybe mature beyond his years. You know, and again, when you're in the spotlight from the time he was what I mean that before Ball and the family even came out, kid hadn't hit puberty yet. You know, no, he was, he was under six foot tall. Right. Nobody knew he was going to be a six eight playmaking phenom. And in the in the video when Lonzo Ball was coming out uh, in the draft. Um, back, what was that, 2018 was when Lonzo was drafted, correct? So, you know, you, you look at that, and I remember the video that was on ESPN. It's like, hi, I'm, I'm Lonzo. Hi, I'm LiAngelo. Hi, I'm LaMelo. We're all committed to go to UCLA. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember that video. He was, he was 14, 15 years old. He, well, not 14. He's been in the spotlight for a long time. It, it, I, I don't think pressure is going to bother him because I think he's been there. And I, I, I understand on a competitive standpoint, so before anybody goes nuts here, on a competitive standpoint, yeah, no, he hasn't been on that highest level of pressure. I'm talking about everyday life kind of pressure. He's kind of been there. He's under a microscope, and his dad is the biggest asshole in the world. I get it. But... And when the first time in your life you are challenged as an adult, as an athlete, as a competitor, because you haven't been challenged your whole entire life, he's not somebody that's going to fold to that. He's going to rise to that. Um, and my biggest thing, well, his defense fucking sucks. I, I know his defense sucks. Trust me, I, I fully accept and understand the risks. In this draft, there's not many prospects in the top five that don't come with an equal downside to their upside. LaMelo is one of it's... the few... Who has a glaring skill that stands out above all? It's not fair though, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not fair. I understand he's not good on defense, but it, it, when people say that, it's like you can't improve somewhere. And if you remember his big brother, what were people saying about his big brother besides the broken th jump shot? His defense sucked. That's what people said at UCLA. He was one of the top defensive point guards before COVID hit. And watch his high school film. You watch his high school film outside of an established situation like UCLA, where he started to become a consistent defender. Go watch Lonzo Ball play defense in high school. Chino he Hills, he was very good oh. defender. Uh, no, no, he just there was times where he didn't care. He, he had when he this... had to lock down in Chino Hills. There's a game that I can I, I could throw the link into it in the description of this podcast. But there's a game where he ended up getting like seven steals because the other point guard was fucking him up a little bit. They were I mean they're going back and forth. I could I'll send you the video in a text message later. But he ended up getting seven steals. You saw the potential to clamp, but you also saw Alonzo do a lot of cherry picking in high school, which is exactly what fucking Lamelo has done a lot of the time too. He you know. He'll stay back towards that half-court line. Then he'll start the break after a rebound, and then he's there to score a, a bucket, you know? He's pampered. Anywhere he's gone, he's been the LeBron James free agent signing to his team. Obviously, LeBron's an exaggeration, but anywhere he's gone, whether it's Lithuania, Australia, it's been, he's the guy. Right. Um... And I feel we're, we're getting a little too heavy, you know, mellow here. Well, no, I, I just feel like it, dude, I mean, I've, I got people in my mentions just on Twitter talking about that after I retweeted that shit, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, about our questions today and whatnot. I mean, people are really, you know, 
enamored nope. with Lamelo Ball because I think, like you, to your point, he's got a high ceiling. They're, they're enamored or they're a ball. There's there's no middle ground to Melo. There's no like, oh well, I think he might be as good as Lonzo, and that might be a risk worth the take. It's either no, he's worse than his brother, he's shit, or he's better than his brother, he's bigger, and he's gonna be better. Right. Uh, but I think we would be doing an injustice to the reports that are coming out currently that tend to sway the Bulls leaning leaning towards Denny. Uh, okay, so this is where I like to. Because you and I had this conversation um, with Burke, Justin, and those guys when we did that live, um, what was that, the draft lottery video, right? And we were all talking about it before the draft lottery aired. Because we were in the room, we were in that Zoom room with those guys for a long while. And I have been on Team Denny for a long time. I'm, uh, I will not be mad, okay, if the Bulls landed Denny. I like Denny, and I still like Denny. Now, the comparisons to Luka Doncic are a little bit off. Okay, because I went back, to, <laughs> I went back to watch some film um, on both of them, and and Denny has a lot of potential. I really see it. I think he's actually a little bit better defensively. What it looks like, in, in, you know, in his league than than um, Luka Doncic was in his. But offensively, okay, speaking, I don't think that Denny is as a you know he's not on Luka's level on a playmaker status or on a shooting status. But I. Not to say that he can't get there on either of one of those. Um, I don't know how elite he could be, but I really do think that Denny's ceiling is maybe like a two, the second best player on a fucking championship winning team one day. I could be wrong, but I see a lot of upside in his game. I really do. He He's he's lanky. He's a forward. He, he, he can handle like a point guard. He can find his teammates. It's just his shooting isn't really there. And, uh, you know, and... One thing I noticed about him, Goose, is off the left ha- left hand. I don't know if you watch film on him, but off the left hand, I'm a little concerned. He can't. He seems to have trouble driving to the left, so it comes it becomes a little bit predictable because he's going to go with his dominant hand, which is the right hand consistently, and that's something that's a little bit scary, I guess, in my eyes. See, and I know. From the beginning of the season, before a lot of people were on the Denny train, you had even put out an article. Yeah. Uh, that's, hey, if we are still in the lottery, this is the guy that you want to look. Well, at the time, he wasn't up like towards. Oh no, he was three he or was four, four, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Back in the lottery, you know, yeah. additional Euro prospect has some concerns around him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as the season progressed, and he won the, he became the youngest player to win an Israeli MVP. His stock continued to rise. Um, my fear with Denny, can he play the small forward? At 6'9", with a 6'9", wingspan and average athleticism, can he play the small forward position for you every day? Granted, there's going to be matchups for just about anybody that they're at a disadvantage. But in today's NBA, is he not better suited at the small forward. I mean, the power forward, rather. I don't know that if I go into a game and Denny's one of my top two players and Kawhi's the top player on the other team, that I'm comfortable starting Denny at small forward. That's that's going to get scary. His limited athleticism, it was same issue with Luka, same issue with Luka's shooting. Everybody said, well, he's a limited athlete, his free throw percentage, his three-point percentage – they all don't look that good. And when you're looking at the numbers of a European prospect that's playing above their skill level at the time, you have to take into consideration they are not playing 36 minutes a game. They're not even playing 25 minutes a game. They might play 15-20. They're the youngest player on the team. And unlike a rookie that gets drafted into the NBA with a top pick that's given the keys and all the opportunity in the world, in the EuroLeague, you make a mistake as an 18-year-old, they don't care if you're Luka Doncic or Denny Abdia. You're getting your ass sit on the bench because you have six guys ahead of you that have been on this team for five to six years that are going to go out there and execute what the coach is going to do without question. They don't care if that guy's skill level is below the 18, 19-year-olds. They have the veteranship, they have the respect, and they have the understanding, and they're going to get the playing time. So to look at Denny's numbers would be misleading for me. My concern 
all comes down to where do our tourists and Mark see Denny playing? And, and that's and, a good and point that's to good bring up because you're kind of looking at him like at into him, like, a three to four kind of range, or you know, um, obviously, which I would hope he would be small forward at six. What it was six eight because you get you get conflicting reports six seven six nine whatever what whatever the fuck the guy is nine wingspan is the most accurate report that i've seen yeah right because i mean they call shaq harrison six seven for god's sake but anyway confused him for hutch (laughs) but i I, i've looked at comparisons across websites and you know just doing just trying to do my due diligence on the guy and if he could be a danny granger if he can be uh, Hito Turgaloo, right? Or something like that. I think I think that Hito Turgaloo, and no, not because, you know, they're both, you know, Euros or whatever. It's because they kind of have similar games, except I think Hito's shot was a little bit more crisp, right? And I think we could both admit that. Hito had a pretty crisp shot. Um, if Denny can get that, holy shit, I, I'd be pretty, you know, pretty impressed with that. But um, I think he could be a three because I am worried to put him at the four because if he went against you know against some bangers he's in trouble and I know that I think he's a decent long defender on the wing I do love the point that you brought up about it, the athleticism being able to stay ahead of somebody like that um, but I think that his length and his tenacious like you know he's he ain't no bitch is basically what I'm trying to say by watching his his footage I think that he could stay in front of somebody that way. Uh, maybe draw a lot of fouls, kind of like our boy Wendell does for not being a bitch. And unfortunately for him, he gets fucked for it constantly. But um, I'm intrigued by Denny. But I did, I, I did switch my stance more so along the way again, not to bring him up again, but to Lamelo because when I was when I wrote the article about Denny, I mean, shit, man, that was before COVID. That was before like COVID. Really, I was the Bulls were fucking terrible. So I was just doing I was just doing draft videos or I'm draft videos you're doing dra- draft articles. I was doing draft articles because I knew that something was going to happen whether if we were number 7 again might as well fucking plan for it at that point after 3 years in a row. That's why I kind of put Denny in there cuz I thought he'd be around there but now they're saying like top 3 top 4 for this kid and I'm not gonna lie does it make me feel a little bit better to see a little bit of potential in him? Hundred percent. I want credit. I'm just kidding, but uh, <laughs> but I I don't know, man. I think that he'd be suited in this system as a three, and if he can't do it, that sound like a broken record. I side with AK and Mark Eversley because if they don't see that he's able to do it, then you you need to you need to find an ulterior option. Well, no, and that's the the beauty of this draft for me, giving the changes that we made with the front office. Uh, do I expect our tourist to make an international pick because he has greater connections in the international market than most other front offices? No. But with that advantage on his side, if they decide to take a Denny or even a Hayes, who I know we have a uh, question about coming up here shortly, if he's more confident in taking one of those two prospects, Given his resources, given his investment in the international scouting pool, I'm confident in those. Yeah, that's fair. See, that's fair to say is because he, he's he been an international scout. He brought on a really good – why am I blinking on the name? Who did we bring on that was an international scout? You're, oh, See, I'm, I'm blanking out. Sasha something I swear it's Sasha something I'm, I'm mad you're, you're right you're right it's I just can't remember her name right now but if again going back to the point um that you trust in what he does right now is I have no other choice dude I'm going to I'm not gonna fucking like blow a load like oh I said I almost said blow a load blow my no, lid uh, how embarrassing. Um, I'm not going to blow my lid because I, you know, he made a pick that I was just like, oh, man, it should have been LaMelo or Bust or whatever. Like, whoever this dude takes, I'm a, I'm homering right now. I'm going to accept it because this guy's got a great track record of, of, of drafting players. So I ain't going to fuck around and question him. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason I work at a trucking company, you know, as a terminal manager. There's a reason I'm going to fucking scout in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... That's basically point blank period shit. I do think I would have been better than than John Paxson and Gar Foreman. I think they made some good picks, but I think they yeah, I think you're full of shit there too. 
Really? You don't I think, think I'd be? You don't think I'd be as good as Paxson? Nah, nah, nah. I think they took Rose over Beasley. They traded up for Dang. They found Noah in the back end. Whoa, they whoa, got, whoa, whoa, whoa! Gar they wasn't got, here got, when they traded up for Dang. Uh, okay, well, you said John. You didn't say Gar. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I, and, and then we got we got Jimmy at thirtieth overall. That's one of the best picks <gasps> in the last decade. Oh my God! You ask anybody. We'll bring Juice on here. I wanted Jimmy. I'm a huge Marquette fan. That's why. So is that because I'm a great scout? No. Is that because I'm a homer? Yes. That's fair. Right. Well, well, there you go. You, don't call you, me. Don't call me out on my bullshit. <laughs> you didn't up to, but I don't know. Did, is that the same draft we took Tony Snell earlier? No, I think we got Miritich. We traded up for Miritich earlier than Jimmy. We got his overseas rights in that same draft. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. The, the draft that hurts me the most was the draft that had uh, Marquise Teague because I wanted Will Barton out of Memphis. And because Will Barton, you know me, I'm a huge college nerd. I, lo- I love that shit. So I wanted Will Barton out of Memphis because we were, you know, it was later in the draft for us. I, I thought Will Barton had some potential. He was a shooting guard. You could possibly put near, uh, Derek Rose to help him excel. We're getting way off track, but. That's a totally fucking fair thing to say, so I'm going to say it. So I am the new general manager of the Chicago Bulls, and uh, you can be you can be co-general manager. We'll both have offices. Well, well, that that would be beautiful. I'd gladly be Mark T. Arturs, but to get back on point here, uh, we touched on the Hayes point. We had a comment. Oh yes, uh, I, I will pull up the actual the actual uh, question itself. We we should get to those. Um, Dude, this was awesome because, like, we're, like, 30-something minutes in and we just been bullshitting and having a good time. That's what fucking on tap's all about is having a good time, talking shit about Bulls basketball and what we think's going on. But um, where is the Hayes comment? Do you have it pulled up in front of you? Because I'm having a hard time finding it. The oh. question was, who do you think has the most potential in this draft? And their side remark was that Hayes is the player that they regard in that way. I think we've already covered that both of us probably feel um, that that's either LaMelo or Edwards. I'll let you expand on that. I've made that abundantly clear in my points. Um, I'll let you touch on who you think has the most potential, and then I will counter with why Killian Hayes is not my top prospect in this draft. Okay, so Killian Hayes to me is – He's very talented. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but he, he does not yet have an outside consistent shot, okay? So that that's one thing. And, I, and again, I'm not saying that LaMelo does either, but numbers don't really lie. And I, I know that he was in Australia and shit like that. He's got a broken jump shot. But, again, I'm not going to take anything away from his numbers. Another thing about Killian Hayes, I like Killian Hayes. I would like to add Killian Hayes if one of the other prospects in front of him – I would trade back is what I mean. So if like hypothetically, like we're talking here one and two, it goes LaMelo Denny. Right. And I'm just like, fuck. And then at third goes Anthony Edwards. And then you're going to leave me with Obi Toppin. Miss me with that shit. I'm not even talking about that. I don't want Obi Toppin. I'm not even fucking around, dude. Get him the fuck out. I don't want to talk about it. Get him the fuck out of here. I don't want him for everybody saying he's going to be a transcendent player. Please kiss my ass. That's not happening. Um, anyway, <laughs> he's older uh, than Jason Tatum. They have the same birthday. Oh, he's old. oh my lord! And there's a reason he's not in the NBA for multiple years. Let's just say that, people. Um. Anyway, so another thing with Killian. So you know how I brought up earlier that Denny had a, a hard time going to his left. You know what I'm saying? Going off the drive with his left. Killian, as a point guard, has the same trouble going off of his right hand. He needs to improve his right hand dribble. If he doesn't. I don't want him initiating our offense, but I do think that could be fixed. I do. I think that could be fixed. Um, you know, he's got to get a little bit stronger. Obviously, we know that that'll come in time, so I'm not really going to chalk that one up, but I do think that Killian Hayes has a very high ceiling. I do. I think with the right coach and the right system in the right place, Killian Hayes can be very good. Um, I don't, however think that he has the highest ceiling in this draft. I do believe that belongs to a guy like LaMelo Ball, and I'm going to say James Wiseman, because that guy's in a fucking enigma. I said that in the last episode, word for word. He's an enigma. I can't tell if this dude's going to be the truth. I can't tell if he's going to be shit. I don't fucking know. 
uh, I don't have enough footage on him. Anthony Edwards is another one. Dude's explosive as shit. Tell you what. He can start draining an outside shot consistently and creating separation off the dribble. Watch the fuck out. You have another superstar on your hands. I'm telling you now. But, again, I think that those guys are, I don't want to say elite. Does elite make me sound stupid? I don't want to say they're elite. I want to say, like, they're the... have a college football athlete that was scouted at nine fucking years old and Anthony Edwards is the top running back in this nation. You have an uber athlete there that has expanded his shot making ability in the early stages of his career and still has the defense potential. He has much more potential than Killian Hayes, who I'm going to get into here in a second, and I'm going to try to be quick about it to get why he's not my top prospect. Right. And again, just to finish my point here, is I feel like there's so many people above him. And when I say elite talent, I mean like the elite, from what we see now, the elite talent in this draft, right? It makes sense. I just. He maybe top six of uh, of the talent. I think he can go seven, six, seven, eight somewhere in there. I, I do think Hayes has that potential, and I think it's kind of ignorant to say otherwise because he showed us a lot, you know, when he was moved, you know, when he was doing real good over there in France. But I don't think he has the highest highest ceiling. Again, that goes to guys like Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, and James Wiseman for me. Again, miss me with the OB top and shit. Goose, go ahead. All right, so I'm going to try to do this quick. The quickest bug buzzword. Hey, hey Buzz, how you doing? Um, that you will find around Killian Hayes. Hey. He comes with his step back jumper potential. That is beautiful. He is an extremely fluid ball handler with above average playmaking ability. His turnover issues, granted, in probably the best league outside of the NBA as a professional sport for basketball, playing against grown men under a 2-2-1 assist turnover ratio. Not the greatest if you're drafting somebody that you see initially facilitating your offense. In that regard, I see him and Kobe White as similar comparisons, better shot makers than playmakers. Killian gets the playmaking advantage. Kobe White has the drastic shooting, scoring ability advantage at this point, which gives Kobe the advantage for me. Everything that I touch on with Hayes, I have a but. He has great shot-making ability off the dribble, but he still shot sub-30% from three-point land. He has a great free-throw percentage, but if he can only finish at one side of the rim, how often is he going to get to the free-throw line as teams push him to the right and push him to kick the ball out. He's an above-average playmaker, but his turnover issues do not make me feel more comfortable with him than Chris Dunn, who has had 17 assists in an NBA play in not a playoff game in an NBA game. <laughs> playoffs. Playoffs. Plus, everybody in the fucking playoffs. <laughs> Chris Dunn had 17 assists against the Indiana Pacers. If I'm replacing Chris Dunn. Not resigning him in restricted free agency. I'm taking the ball out of Kobe White's hands, Zach Levine's hands. I need somebody that can guarantee me playmaking. Killian Hayes does not give that to me out of the gate. I can't give him Kobe's job out of the gate. I cannot take him at number four comfortably going, you're going to be a star. Do you, do you think he's got a little bit more athleticism than Kobe, though? <sighs> Defensively, when you see him get into a stance and you watch his effort on that end, I see why you have somebody like Kevin O'Connor who proclaims Killian Hayes is the best prospect in this draft. You have the free throw percentage. You have the defensive upside. You have the 6-5 combo guard playmaking, scoring ability, both that still have to develop. So, in a sense, Killian Hayes might have one of the highest floors of a prospect in this draft with the potential to get to one of those levels of hitting elite. So I, I understand the perspective on Killian Hayes. I am just not sold on these currently sub-par, slightly above-average skills ever reaching that elite level that justifies a number four pick. I see him more as a Malcolm Brogdon than I do a James Harden. Fair and comparison. The, Fair comparison. And the reality is probably somewhere in the middle, and that's a great player. 
If right. the Bulls took him, I would not be mad. At four, you wouldn't be mad? <sighs> At four, if the Like, you wouldn't be mad if they traded yeah. down. See, I think the only situation where you have Denny and LaMelo, one of the other available at four with Hayes, and you pass, I, I don't see that. Right. Wiseman's going top three. If I have the Mello and Denny at four, I'm taking them. If somebody values them that much more than Hayes, and they're going to give me extra to take Hayes or even Okoro at that point, then yeah, I, I'll consider it. But that, at that point, the asset on top of that player has to justify the value that I'm trading out of. Right. Okay. So speaking of trades. Let's get into another question here. This question comes from oh, – I'm going to butch this shit. I'm just going to do the at. At Chicago Bully 23 He was talking about our dude, Matt Peck, who was on the show with us, you know, friend of the show, Matt Peck and Jordan Malley. They had a uh, proposed a trade on their Locked On Bulls podcast. Um, it's a three-team trade, and you know what, dude? I actually dig it. I actually really dig it. And this is something that we talked about a little bit last week, and this is something that I wrote an article on over at ontapsportsnet.com about rumors of Zach Levine being liked by the Denver Nuggets. So let's get into this. This would be Drew Holiday being traded from the Pelicans to Denver, okay? And then over over to the Pelicans, Lowry Markinen, Gary Harris, and the fourth pick. In this draft, okay? And then coming to the Bulls would be the 13th pick, the 22nd pick, and Michael Porter Jr. Now, you and I are in the same boat with this. And I we can go pull up old tweets, whatever the fuck we gotta do. I was on the... I didn't care he had a fucking broken back. I didn't give two fucks because I knew the Bulls were in bad shape. I wanted to take the guy I thought would be the man. And I still think he's got, and he showed a couple flashes of it. I think he could still be the man, and that's Michael Porter Jr. I think he could be a fran- eventually a franchise player for a, a squad. I do that fucking trade in a heartbeat. I'm not even. Fu- I'm not fucking with you. I do that trade in a. I get two first round picks, and I get Michael Porter Jr. Lowry marketing might be broken. I hope Billy Donovan can fix him. I love Lowry. I, I I'm a huge. I dude, you know I don't buy people's jerseys. I, I don't do that. I, I, I usually refrain from that. I got a signed Lowry Market in Jersey hanging up in the buzz cave down here. That's how much I love the guy. I actually won that at the fucking United Center, but whatever. I have a Lowry Market in Jersey too. But I do that trade in a heartbeat. I don't know about you. I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Uh, me and you were chanting MPJ together as we were getting drunk back in, what was that, the 2017, 2018? The 2018 draft. You, you were a little enthused, so you couldn't see my face on the video. I had to close my eyes. My, and, my No, my face got red. I got so excited. And, and inhale deeply on my pineapple god pen. Um, I can't. It, in acquiring Michael Porter Jr., I do see Lowry Markin in becoming 1,000% expendable because I don't think Michael Porter – is a small forward with his back in this league. He's a power forward. He's a Lowry marketing upgrade, maybe better rebounding to this point in the flashes, better three-point shooting consistency. He has the ability to take players off the dribble. That is not a skill he's lost with this difference. That is something we have in question with Lowry at this point. But Lowry and four, I can't. I can't get there for Michael Porter Jr. to trade back for 13 and 22 in this draft. I can't. If if Lamelo, especially in any trade, uh, let me let me clarify this first. Any trade where you're talking about the Bulls trading out of the number four pick, you're talking about them getting on the clock and the guy that they coveted falling out of the top three not falling to them at four. That is the only situation where these conversations even open up. It's Hey, our guy's not exactly on the board. We're probably going to trade back anyway. If you covered somebody at this position and we can get a mutually beneficial deal done, let's work it out. So let's preface that with this. But Michael Porter Jr. at the four, that's that's appealing. I think in Denver, his skills are limited. He's shown that 
His back is probably going to hold up. We haven't seen it in an extended period yet, which is still a concern. He's still got questionable medicals. We've also seen since then that he has the same questionable character issues that everybody's worried about in LaMelo. In the middle of the playoff series, he decided to go out and call out his coach and say, More people need to get touches. More people need to get touches. And what he was saying there was, I need more fucking shots. So, so are you, and where, where do you see Zach Levine and Michael Porter Jr. fitting on the same floor together? Because once again, now we're running into horrible defensive issues. So, you're, you're replacing Lauri Markkinen, who loves nothing but basketball and his family and is never going to say anything but the right things in the whole entire world, doesn't have a fucked up back, and his potential was squandered by Jim Boylan asking him to be power forward Kyle Corbin. No, no, I totally agree with that. I love that. I told, like I told you. And you're giving up the fourth pick to draft who? Paku? Poku? No, 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 no. Hang on. Hang on. What's his name? Are you going to take him to, to be your backup plan to Michael Porter Jr.? I'm getting the 13th. I'm getting the 13th and the 22nd pick. I could package those two picks to move back up. <sighs> For who? I don't know. I said at the top four. What do you want? Well, oh, I, like, oh. I like your boy Okoro. I like your boy Okoro in Auburn. Okoro falls that far, far back? Maybe. If but you package I, I, the 13th and the 20th, if this trade happens right when the Bulls are getting ready to go, we package to move back up. You can realistically land a Devin Vassell, a Okoro. You could realistically sure. land one of those guys. All right, okay. So then Kobe White, Zach Levine, Okoro, Michael Porter, why not? Okay. Maybe you can sell me on that. Maybe I'm being short-sighted. You are being short-sighted because that gives me a Woody, and I'm pr- I don't know how you don't have one right now. The athleticism in that lineup mixed with shooting, huh? Because Lowry has put up twenty and ten in an NBA season. That's something Michael Porter hasn't done yet. Oh, hold up! Again, I'm not saying I don't want Lowry to be a part of the future. I just think that this might be better long term. Long term, contractually, Lowry has to be paid next off season. You move exactly. back, save salary on your rookie contract. You still get O'Coro, who I would be comfortable taking at fourth just because of his fit on this team with the current roster. Not that that's what you should build off of, but man, the the prospect that's going to be there at fourth plus Lowry doesn't equal questionable character, questionable medicals. Showed some flashes in a bubble, Michael Porter Jr. To me, that's. Hey, he was showing flashes before the bubble, too. Let's calm down on that. He was showing some flashes before the bubble, too. I'm not saying he's... He still showed more concerns than I've ever seen out of Lowry Marketing. Bro, I I agree. Listen, I understand what you're saying. 15-7 is Lowry's fucking floor. His I'm licking the dirt off Jim Boylan's shoe. I need to get the rebound and run this basketball and dunk this shit to get some points. That's that's the Lowry Markin we saw last year. I just hope he ain't broken, bro. I want to see a kid with some fucking some fire behind him come in and be like, "Yeah, this I, is I, my I, shit." Lowry for somebody with questionable medicals, more questionable character, and the same defensive issues that I'm trading out of Lowry Markin for for a slight consistency in skewed numbers in a small sample. Stop it. Three point shooting. <laughs> And a minimal of rebound upgrading. That's it. I can't add four to Lowry for that. He was the number one fucking prospect in high school basketball. The yeah. guy, played, the guy and, played three games in college and still went in the lottery. There's yeah. a reason for that. You should hope James Wiseman falls and trade Wendell Carter. And I'm, I'm telling you. Listen to me. You would be okay. So if AK and Mark Eversley decided to do that, you would you be mad? Would you be upset? Because I got you, I got you on recording t- fucking like eight minutes ago saying you trusted him. Given Arturis's connection to Michael Porter, if he was that confident and he wasn't worried about his character or that back, yeah, once again, until proven otherwise, I would have to sit here and grin and bear it against my initial disappointment. <laughs> he traded a top five pick with four years of a rookie contract, somebody from Denny Avia with great character and potential, LaMelo Ball with the highest potential in this draft in some arguments with some questionable character, or James Wiseman that fell to four because the Charlotte Hornets don't love him, who's 7'1", 
freaky as shit could be Chris Bosh and Bam Adebayo put together and we don't know it. And if you watch his interviews, he is the humblest prospect in this draft comparable to Zion Williamson. You're on mute, my friend. You're, you're on you're on mute. You're not talking. Dude, I'm fixing Dude, I, it. I'm on mute. I'm sorry. I, I muted it. You know, I'm not going to even cut that out because it's a real-ass podcast is what we do. I was on mute. Um, but I was, I was basically what I was saying the whole time is I agree with you on him being the most humble guy in the draft. He is a pretty humble fucking guy. Um, dude, we're closing in on an hour here. (laughs) So we have one more question and I want to just, I just want to get to it. Buyout candidates for the bulls. Obviously I say, uh, you know, big Chris, that's, I don't care about anybody else. Get him the fuck out of here, please. Cause there's no one else on this team that I really am like, eh, get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? I, I, there's not. So it's just, uh, just, just big Chris, please just go away. And you know what? Speaking of big Chris, let's bring up controversy because we have a lot of people that fucking listen to this podcast that follow us on Twitter. More so you, you got like a thousand more followers than I do, which is totally cool. You earn that shit. You demand hundred percent, but you, (laughs) you called out a couple of homies about loving big Chris um uh this week and i'll tell you something right now like do i take enjoyment of your receipts yes i do 100 percent. yes i'm very petty i think they're fucking hilarious i love i love when other bulls fans throw their shit out there like you and i have had some good takes i want you to i want you to you know answer this question on this podcast on episode 71 which is episode 71 and thank you to all the Bulls listeners that have brought us over 10,400 listens in only 70 episodes. Thank you. But in, in, in 70 episodes, dude, we've had some hot takes. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I don't think that you and I throw enough shit at the wall that these other people do because they want to be right about something so much. I make sure I am fucking confident in what I say. The fact that people are calling for Big Chris as a starting center in this league is something that literally fucking kills me. Um, did I believe at one time he might be able to be an end-of-the-rotation kind of guy? Sure. Have you ever watched the way he fucking runs, number one? Number two, his game is just... He just took the attention off the three alphas. That's when he was decent. The guy went and earned himself a crazy contract. But that's my buyout candidate. Kudos to you for calling out the people that said that he was a starter that claimed to, uh, you know, know a lot about Bulls basketball, even though they've never been to a fucking game in their lives or whatever. But I, I kudos. Do you have any other buyout candidates? I'm throwing shots too. Shots are fun. All right. Well, Big Chris Front is kind of weird. I think that Ryan Archie Diacono and Luke Cornett are greater buyout candidates than Felicio just because regardless of whether Big Chris ever plays another game again, if you don't trade Zach Levine this offseason, but you are trying to trade up from Zach Levine, you have the easy contract sitting there in Felicio at $7.5 million, somewhere around there, somewhere between $7.5 million. To add to Zach's $19.5 million salary, to equally trade for a max player, whether you're adding top picks, current other rookie assets, or whatever you're doing to trade up from Zach. If Zach's not somebody that's traded this offseason, Big Chris's contract itself is expiring, so on top of Zach's trading it to a team, they can just wave him. You know, we just got Zach Levine instead call of whoever And call it a day. So just because the value that the contract number that Felicio has itself, I actually see the Cornet or Ryan Archie Diacno is greater by candidates. I guess I guess Archie would be more, I guess, of one. He's got a team option at the end of his shit, but he's getting three mil per year. Um, Cornet's got he's an expiring contract going in next season too. So you might be able to move that for a, for you know. A, for something. I mean, a team looking for a big that can stretch the floor. Well, so I guess, I guess you, to your point, is our, like your first pick. I know <laughs> there's so many people that love him so much. And I hey, I don't hate Ryan Archie Diacono. I don't. I don't hate the guy. I think he's got a lot of hustle. He is no Captain Kirk, but he's got a lot of hustle in him. Um, 
Yeah, he's a great practice player. He's a guy you want to yeah. have on your roster. He comes yeah. into work every day. He yeah. elevates everybody. He plays the game the right way. He's right. going to make practice run smooth. And if the shit hits the fan with injuries, he's there. And you can trust him to do the right thing. Right. I, yeah. Um, totally. But agree, especially but, yeah. if they take another guard playmaker, Archie probably becomes more expendable than yeah. seven foot one Cornette, who at least situationally offers you floor spacing and rebounding in a weird offensive situation. Right. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. But that is the last question that we had to answer, man. We closed in on an hour on this episode. Again, everybody, we will be doing one episode a week up until the draft. We will be live with the draft with the whole Bulls on Tap squad. That's going to be me, Goose, Berklin, Justin, uh, Bulls guy Rob, which is Rob Wegley, who writes for On Tap Sportsnet. And if anybody else wants to come on that Zoom, just tweet at us and let us know. Well, I think we're going to let in a couple uh, people that listen to the show. We should do that because I think it would be fucking cool and tough to let some people that support us come and watch that shit with us. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got for today, man. I think that we had a good one. And then be sure also for uh, player draft profiles to be checking out Goose's YouTube. He is uh, He's putting out content over there. He's got a fucking cool-ass whiteboard. It's Bulls on Tap content over with Bull Scripted. He is uh, doing some great work over there, so check that out, too, for all your up-to-date um, draft news that you need. Um, you got anything else before we lead out, dude? No, I mean, uh, I guess I'd like to clarify the shots that you send out on my Felicio tweets there. Just <laughs> they're so funny, though. <laughs> oh, 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 they're hilarious. It's it's the best thing in the world to me because I have my own from that period that covered my ass that I'll laugh at you if you try to call me out on. But I'm just cleaning out. The Felicio Files, we got a new front office. That was the one signing in the previous regime's tenure that gave me the most humor. Because as it progressed, Bulls fans hated it. And they tore the front office apart. And how stupid are these guys? They're the worst fucking front office ever. But it was the one move in that period of like 15 16 years outside of derrick rose who they lucked into that almost every fan backed you had felicio <laughs> a starter over a future hall of famer in paul gasol who was an all nba player in chicago you had this shit happening and and then the bulls signed him to eight million a year for four years 32 million dollars over four years and then after the first year when he just rotted in the G League, everybody just shat on the contract. It was like they never had this opinion that Felicio could be a starter in the NBA, that he was better than Paul Gasol. It was just Garpax. They fucking suck. Get him out of here. So that, I think I think it's good you clarified because like I I'm laughing at it. And that's just because you and I have been friends for years and we know how people kind of work. I mean, we've been friends for years now when you look at it, which is pretty fucking cool to say. But it's just it's funny to me that I don't I know you are very you're very opinionated cat. You know, that like that's your thing, like that's super dope. You know me, I'm more like, okay, yeah, man, it's cool until you push me. And if fucking kill it, but don't push me, Tupac. But you know, like I until you push me is where I start getting pissed off. But it's so funny to have people like attack your integrity and you're just like, Oh yeah, oh yeah. You you think you're some sort of big bulls personality? Here you go. Like because everything you said up to that point, your opinions are negated because you had the stupidest take I've ever fucking seen in my life. And I think that's a fair thing. I think that I think that's a fair thing. And it makes me laugh. So that's why I brought it up is because it's fucking hilarious. And people who follow you on Twitter who saw that, it's just it's it's funny to me. So I had I had to bring it up because the shit's hilarious. You have to. I don't mean to be malicious. I'm just getting rid of the Felicio files. It's a new era. It's a new time. Everybody's excited. Anything Garpax related at this point can just be laughed about. But the Felicio stories will always live deep in my heart because <laughs> there's, there's, there's articles out there, man, that are literally talking about like the Bulls being scared of losing Felicio in restricted free agency. Bro, I ain't even going to fuck with you. Pay him he's the next clint capella he is the shit he is the dude he is the greatest thing ever and then they signed him to an average rotational player contract that got scrutinized heavier than anything i've ever seen my favorite my favorite fellatio title is (laughs) 
Christiana Felicio, a diamond in the rough. That is my favorite title, and I'm not going to call out the website. Everybody can Google it. Y'all got Google. Check it out. That no, shit no, is hysterical. Do, do yourself a favor. If you want to laugh during this next two weeks for the offseason, go type in your favorite Bulls podcaster, Bulls follow, every single one of them. Type in their at into Twitter, followed by Felicio, hit latest, and scroll to the bottom. Scroll to the bottom. And tell me what you see, because you will be messaging me telling you, thank you. I needed this laugh. Whether it's the election that's stressing you out, it's life in general, it's a job. Go type your favorite, most prominent Bulls follows into Twitter, followed by Felicio. Hit latest, scroll to the bottom, and tell me what you find. And if you don't... (laughs) That's so bad, I did it right now. All right, we got to get the fuck out of here, man. Everybody be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at BullsOnTap, at ontapsportsnet. Follow my dude Goose at BullsScripted. Follow me at BuzzOnTap. Don't forget, check out at BullsScripted's videos coming out for his draft profiles over on his YouTube. Follow him on Twitter. I will be retweeting them, or he will be retweeting them off the BullsOnTap page so that you know you guys can see those. And again... Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Be sure you give us a five-star rating and review. We'll be back next week. Put it on the calendar for the 18th, guys. If you want to get on, start DMing the Bulls on Tap page. Start retweeting everything we say. We're going to be picking two or three people to come join us to watch the draft. Everybody have a great night. Have a great weekend. Let's go Bulls.